Welcome to the Shilakama Extractive Podcast. Today I'm pleased to host Denise Cortez Kaiser, who is a Mozambican woman. In the business environment, Denise is an entrepreneur, finance and investment advisor, as well as a member of the Board of Corporations. In the social entrepreneurial area, Denise is a public and motivational speaker with 25 years experience. She's on the board of New Voices and New Faces, an organization chaired by Grossa Michelle in Mozambique. Academically, she's a certified accountant with an honors degree in management and postgraduate in corporate finance. Denise, Welcome to the Sheila Kama Extractive Podcast. Thank you so much, Sheila. It's a pleasure to reconnect with you after so many years. And it's a pleasure as well to, to share the stage with you to talk about this subject that is so passionate about the continent and uh, is very empowering, not only for us as Africans, but also for the generations that are ahead of us. That's fantastic. I'm glad you started there with the intergenerational because, you know, if we don't manage the extractive wealth now, it is actually not just the current generations that will suffer, it's also the future ones. So I I think that is an important point to remember all the time. But I wanted to talk really about how governments in Africa and others relate to investors in the mineral oil and gas space. Some people say that, you know, Africa is very rich in resources. There's no need for us to manage investor relations. They will still come. You advise uh, people in making investment. Is that correct? Is that the right attitude? Okay, in my point of view, it is true that there's a growing cadre of high net worth individuals who live in or originate from countries in the African continent. However, it is a it is mega projects that are consumerates with a high risk and capital intensive projects require considerable investment to monetize them. Therefore, a mix of investors, inclusive of those not from the continent, is useful. Further, such investors usually bring technologies and supply chain networks that may not exist indigenously at this time to the exploration for and development of extractive industries projects. In this context, the relationship with investors become crucial in all aspects, including governance, tax, local content, technical and vocational training, and others. So basically what you're saying is, uh, it's not a question of attracting investors from abroad only, but it's also important to have uh, investors from the region, but that we have to recognize that one of the advantages of attracting investors from abroad is that they can generate finance and bring technology to deal with mega projects. Is is that what you're saying? Yes, it's true, definitely. So in other ways, in the extractives, if it's important for us to manage relations because if we don't manage this relationship well, it may be difficult for us to attract that investment and therefore not be able to develop the resources. Yeah, that's really true because the price could be the lack of developing projects, the continent awash of resources, but not exploited. 
uh, or else exploitation of resources in an hostile environment and without absorption of gains for the for the countries because for many years Africa has seen uh, uh, multinationals coming doing their work and at the end of the day when we look at what was left we just see a continent or a country uh, where resources are, are living there is no how that is lacking in the country because a lot of nationals are not part of the process there's no knowledge transfer and um, that's a big problem and we need to work on that so so how do you think managing relations between governments and investors might help for instance in one making sure that when they leave uh the country is not desolate they leave something there uh, which compensates for the exploitation of the wealth and how can we also relate to them in a way that helps that knowledge transfer uh, be uh, carried out such that the foreigners share the expertise with citizens. How can we do that by through relationship management? I think it's important when, uh, when, when the investors arrive to, to discuss very well the gov with government the terms of the contracts that they are signing. There must be a win-win position, you know, because this types in the view sometimes, you know, what happens is that most of the multinationals, when they arrive, they go to, to their advisors abroad and they have this big picture of Africa as one country, which is not correct. We are a, co a continent with 55 countries. And each country has their own culture, uh, their own rules, their own legislation. And um, for, for me, it is, it is for all concerned to make efforts to educate potential investors. In addition, their service offered mainly by Western agents that seek to inform investors about business and political risk profiles, macro and micro, uh, microeconomic issues. This presents a business opportunity for enterprising pers persons to present these issues from their own local perspective, because it's very important for investors to understand when they arrive, what is the culture? What is the, the government expectations? How they can impact positively the community as well, because it's not only about uh, exploring the resources, making money and exiting, it's about leaving a legacy. Companies should also be concerned about the legacies that they leave behind in the, in the African continent. That's my belief. So you've said a, a lot of very important things. The first being uh, the, 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 what seems like is obvious, but it's always not obvious that there are no. 53 countries and that there are several cultures and that you can't just say, I'm based in Zurich. I'm a firm that, uh, uh, assesses sovereign risk, and I've looked at Africa. You can't do that. But that even if you were looking at each one of those countries, the cultures are different. It requires somebody inside of those countries who has good knowledge of those cultures to break it down. In your experience, Denise, how much of that is happening? How many, uh, or how much of the analysis of sovereign risk and other risk is undertaken by people from the region, or is it still something which is done on a fly-in, fly-in basis? I think uh, one of the things that we could do as a continent 
is to start analyzing a way to have model contracts to be signed with multinationals. And um, what I see as well is that, for example, the, the behavior of one investor in South Africa is not the same in Mozambique. You know? And there's different policies they might choose to, to see uh, mega, mega companies, mega projects arriving and doing their work. For us, for many years, we were not exposed to, for example, to the oil and gas industry. It's something new for us. We need to find a common ground as a, as a continent. How can we exchange knowledge? How can, can one country uh, share their experience with the multinationals and start enriching the legal framework so that from our side, we are also prepared for what is coming? And, and another point is that how can we start exchanging uh, technical skills inside the continent? Because it's not only uh, about investors arriving and bringing their knowledge, their people, and uh, there is no knowledge transfer. Inside the continent, we have, uh, for example, Ghana with experience, Nigeria with experience. Now we start having Tanzania as well. Uh, how can we bring Angola all together as one? Because, for example, one of the things that will be a challenge very soon is this uh, implementation of the, of the African continent free trade agreement. With that, for example, we can no longer exp export raw material. We need to at least manufacture the goods to be able to export. How do we prepare ourselves for that? It's not only about the oil and gas industry and its extractors. How do we start working as a continent to start avoiding the, the exploration and then export of raw materials without transforming them. When these raw materials arrive in other continents, they are transforming, they, they are sold for a higher price because they, they can use the, the commodity price from the stock market to, to beat the price. But when it comes to, to the exploration in Africa, that's the lower price. How can Africa start, can start benefiting from that? This is the discussion that needs to be taken at higher level, at the leadership level, at the political level, so that we start working as one in the continent and we start bringing back the wealth that the continent deserves. That's mm. my point. So uh, because of some of the things you have spoken about, uh, sometimes differences arise and uh, governments end up uh, in a position of litigation or some form of conflict. Uh, and when this happens, it could be one country like say Tanzania. Then uh, some commentators will say Africa is risky. In other words, they just look at that experience in one country and, and decide that from an investment perspective, Africa is not a worthy destination. How can we avoid this risk that you spoke about earlier, that whenever there's a problem in one country, we assume it's all the 55 countries? Uh, for me, it is not unusual for two sides coming together in a negotiation because multinationals want to make money and the continent also wants to see the wealth being generated in the continent and staying in the continent. That's why we for many years, we started discussing local content. That's a very passionate subject. And uh, for us as Africans, uh, start generating wealth for the continent and staying in the continent, it's part of our agenda. 
as a as a continent. However, the two sides usually come at a negotiation with different starting positions and ending objectives, even though both may want the investment. The challenge is to find a way to come to win-win and not lose-win or lose-lose. The investor is assessing the business opportunity from the perspective or return for his shareholder and is comparing the return of the subject opportunity to others in its international portfolio. The country is assessing the return on the asset in the context of national goals. These are two fundamentally different approaches. Investors can't lower the importance of normal return on, on equity calculation due to the fact that it doesn't always provide a complete picture. For example, if we use a DuPont analysis, allows investors to assess the elements that play a dominant role in any challenge of the return on equity. It can help investors to segregate opportunities of investments with higher margins from those having high return. If, we, if you look at doing business in Africa, it takes long because the, the bureaucratic process is also long. Uh, I remember seeing all this, um, the analysis of doing business in the continent and even globally. Uh, the, the countries in the African continent, they were in a very low grade because we, we, we still require to work on the procedures and things. And uh, sometimes investors don't understand. That's why the continent started discussing about uh, free economic zones, how to, to start reducing this bureaucratic process to speed up the process of investment. For example, the most important thing is to ensure that there is a clear conflict resolution mechanism. The rules must be clear before any investment begins. For example, in Mozambique, contracts with investors include conflict resolution clauses in case of disagreement. This clause includes the courts that will be used, the language, the legislation in question, and other important details. So when investors arrive, it's important for them to, to get the right assessment, to get the right adver uh, advisors on their side, and also to start dealing with the government to, to bring a common ground where everyone will win. Because we also need to start seeing the wealth of all our resources staying in the country because our communities deserve. Hmm. So you've said that two things, I mean, you've said a lot, but there are two things I want to follow up on. The one is local content. I remember that Mozambique uh, as early as uh, 2000 and uh, nine and 10 was really looking at the local content uh, policies and frameworks uh, and, and, and making sure that as uh, the mines in Tete and later on the gas was developed, that some of the value would accrue. Have you found in your experience that by designing these local content policies and managing uh, these expectations, both on the part of the continent uh, the part of the company, the part of the country. Have you found that local content as a principle and as a policy has helped manage those relationships in a way that is beneficial? Yes, this is a very critical subject because the government tries to, to bring 
investors to understand that is not only about exploring the resources, it's about knowledge transfer, the tax being paid. I know that most of them, when they arrive, they tax, tax benefits that they receive. And one of the, the biggest concerns when I look at the process is the double taxation agreement that we have with other countries. And um, when we are in a regime of double taxation, the country loses a lot. Mm. Africa started losing a lot with the double taxation agreements. Most of the, the multinations, when they register in, in, a, in the continent, they're already in their double taxation agreements. They understand the legislation locally. They go to the right adv advisors. Sometimes they're even locals advising them because uh, they want to make profit. They want to have clients. But at the end of the day, what I see is that with the double taxation agreements, money goes, there's the uh, management fees that are being paid abroad goes, loan uh, agreements that, that are signed with these uh, companies that have the double taxation agreement that means that money exiting the market. And when we look at what was left, it's almost nothing. Hmm. This is something that the continent should start evaluating. I know that double taxation agreement was created in a condition where the continent was welcoming investment. But shall we perpetuate this at, the, at, at which cost? Hmm. How can we start working on that? So investors will start understanding exactly what Africa is losing. We are losing a lot. I, I wanted to ask you, you, you I, I mean, I, I feel your passion and I feel your pain, especially about the, the fact that even before companies land on the African continent, some of the bilateral arrangements, uh, whether they are treaties or whether they are tax specific or other, already put the continent at a disadvantage because these treaties are historic uh, and they're binding. And, and some governments may forget that even by, by the time they sign an agreement on the development of a resource, the, if you wish, the position of disadvantage already exists. But you said something that I think is very important and I want you to please follow through on that. What you said is, it's important to recognize that investors have a different approach. They are looking for profits and that governments have also a different approach they are looking for development of economies. In your experience, how can we avoid that this difference in approach leads to problems? How can we manage this difference, recognize it, but manage it at the same time, making sure that it doesn't result either in you know, legal challenges or does not undermine the value that the countries are trying to get? Because I think you are right. They are different and they come from different approaches. I think one of the, the ways that we could use to start working on that is to have other type of agreements with the, with the investors. Because sometimes it's not like, uh, it's not like the, the law is one fits all. Because we, we have different we have different extractive industries and we have different investors coming to the market 
and uh, some is uh, is for them to explore for 100 years for example or for 50 years so it's important for them to understand that they will be part of the country for so long and uh, for them being in a, involved in a project where there's no infrastructure there is no um, technical skills, there is no political will for them to move on, bring some discomfort to the business. And for the government to see one investor coming and just exploring and running and going, it's not beneficial. At some point, uh, companies and, and the government should start finding common ground and start understanding what do you expect from my side? How can we can you be my partner? It's not, it's not like he's only the re regulator. He's a partner for, the, for him to succeed. Because for example, in, in, from our side, if we look at Cabo Delgado, where our government is doing their best to make sure that security is there, that uh, a multinational can, ex can work, the example of the oil and gas, we see that Total is, putting, is, is doing their, their best to make sure that the project moves on. And from the governmental side, we are doing our best in terms of Minister of Defense, Minister of Interior, to make sure that security is there. This is the type of things that we want to see on the ground. Government and companies working together to bring benefit to the community. And that's, that's my feeling when I look at Mozambique and the excellent work that the government is doing uh, in Cabo Delgado. That's wonderful to hear because uh, uh, perhaps uh, the listeners may not know, of course, the gas deposits in the Indian Ocean of Mozambique are some of the largest, most recent discoveries. Do you know, I read a report recently that said that if you combined uh, the production of Tanzania and uh, Mozambique, uh, you could probably be able to provide up to all of 10% of all of Europe's heating requirements or something of that order of magnitude. The, the figure may be right, but it may not be right, but it, it was ex exceptionally high. So the risk that that resource may not be mined because of lack of security would be a tragedy. And so I'm very happy to hear that Total and the government are finding a way to make sure that the project is not uh, interrupted. I want to ask you something else. Earlier on, you, you, you made mention that, of course, uh, when investors want to come to Africa, they seek advice. Sometimes they get advice from um, foreign uh, consultants. Sometimes they get it from national consultants. So my experience is that when foreign investors come into Mozambique and they want to uh, engage and they find a Mozambican like yourself, capable, knows the country, that can sometimes be very difficult because some people then view you as working with a foreign element and therefore that by definition, you are not a patriot. What are your thoughts on this? How can citizens in those situations be helpful? I think that um, it's very difficult for you, for any investor to get the right picture of the country, uh, getting from someone sitting in Zurich or in London doing reports. Because for us nationals, 
professionals, advisors uh, for invest investors and uh, traders in this market and, uh, and also in the region. Um, for us, it's very important to get the flavor from what is really happening in the ground. And uh, what I see from my clients is that when they ask me, Denise, what is really happening on the ground? I can tell him exactly at the right moment what is happening in Cap Delgado, uh, which legal framework has changed that allows him to come and do better business, which other platforms exist in the market that he can use to leverage his position in the market. This is something that someone sitting abroad cannot give him the right picture. And another point is that by having a local partner with a, with a capacity to, to guide them, it's not just someone sitting on a board, because sometimes people understand, okay, I'm gonna get a national person that will come on board and sit there. So we, we fulfill the gap of having someone sitting there, which is not the case. Nowadays, the nationals that sit in a board of companies, at least Mozambique, are people well qualified, are people with the capacity to tell you exactly where you're going to fail and tell you how to do things in a proper way that will allow you to, to run your business successfully and legally, and even to get the tax benefits that the investors are looking for. This is something doable. These days, even agencies for promotion of investments, they are welcoming business, but you should go there with the right advisor to make sure that the process is smooth and, uh, and you, you get the right, uh, you save time and you save money because sometimes it's not just for us to make money, it's not to invoice you. And uh, so you, you arrive and you are ready to, to start paying. And it's, to, it's for you to analyze what is the culture in this market how do I do business correctly? Which doors can be open? Because we understand the doors that can be knocked and open. And, um, and some projects, it, it's okay for you to be an investor coming from abroad. You, your headquarters are, are, are sitting abroad. But for example, in the, in the oil and gas um, sector, there's certain quota of contracts that should be given to local companies. Means companies, that have shareholders, Mozambican shareholders, companies that revenue also stays, part of the revenue stays in the market, in the, in the country. Can, can, companies that hire Mozambicans, that transfer knowledge, it's not just international contracts um, that are being signed. So I, I truly recommend investors coming into the market to start looking for local advisors because they will give, they will not only save you money, but they will be your right arm for you to succeed locally. So I think you've made a, a, a good case for why investors will benefit from having a citizen of Mozambique or a citizen of Botswana or a citizen of uh, the DRC. I want to change that question and say, if I am a Mozambique and Denise is uh, a partner, a consultant, a board member of a subsidiary of a multinational, what is Denise doing which benefits me as the Mozambican, not the advisor? Is it fair for the Mozambicans to also think that in doing that job, part of what you should do is help them? And if so, 
how does that work in the way that you see it, uh, Denise? Yes, one of the things that um, I see as a benefit for an investor to come is not the, the, okay, the, the, the things that I mentioned before. Um, and another point is that, for example, um, these days our stock market started working on the on on products that will empower local entrepreneurs, local companies, local investors to, to have a better presence in these um, multinationals. Saying so, meaning that uh, the locals now started being able also to contribute financially in the company by, by assessing different lines um, in the stock market, um, our local stock market, that allow them to contribute as well. Uh, because in the past, most of the investors complained that locals were only taking percentage in the business and city, which is not the case in Mozambique. Now we are aware that we should go in a win-win position. Okay, you bring the money, you bring the knowledge. I bring uh, the knowledge of the market. I bring the contacts in the market that you don't have. And I, I can also access a line in the stock and our local stock market to bring money to the business as well. So this starts leveraging our position as nationals when it when it comes to the conversation with the investors coming from abroad. Let me ask you uh, a final question. Yes. So uh, we have these huge gas deposits in uh, Mozambique. Previously, they were owned by Anadako. Anadako sold them to uh, Total, the state, and a significant capital gains tax from that transaction, and hopefully more will follow. Now, relationships are very difficult, commercial and otherwise, to manage. Uh, some people argue that it's better in this case to have just one company developing the resource because if you have several companies, it's just many more relationships to manage. But others argue that if you have one relationship with one large multinational like Total, then you, there can be a level of dependency by the government. And I wanted to get your opinion. Is it better from a relationship management perspective to have one large investor developing one large resource? Or is it better to license more than one company and therefore be able to use the relationships to learn, but also to leverage uh, and not put your eggs in one basket. Thank you. So first off, Total is the operation, operator of the project, uh, leading a consortium of partners. It has to justify the budget and operational aspects of the project to its partners. So in that sense, they are not a lone wolf. That said, that um, the companies that come that have come to invest in Mozambique and other countries see this asset as only one in their global portfolio, and ends that are spreading their risk across their entire portfolio. Countries will be well advised to find ways to spread their exposure to one dominant investor in a manner similar to the approach of the investors. 
countries can also seek to create situations of com competition so that all parties compete in a manner that could benefit the country. For example, in Mozambique, we have not only Total, but we have ENI and uh, ExxonMobil. So they, they, now we start having different players. Countries should consider lear learning from the experience of other countries that are going or have gone through similar experience by seeking strategic alliance on country to country, multilater multilateral and business basis. Finally, countries should seek to themselves become investors in projects that are being planned within their borders so that they are at the board table rather, rather than merely the recipients of statutory reports. Uh, by saying so, what I see and what I believe that will be the future, at least in Mozambique or the rest of the continent, is that our national companies representing the country and the board of, of these um, big companies, now they start having something to say as well too, because at the end of the day, they represent us. By by representing us is of their also is is of their interest to to have something for the for the community. So it's important to to start developing these skills, uh, training people, um, knowledge transfer, generating wealth in the in the country, and uh, we will start seeing better conditions because it's time for us to not see Africa as the poor continent, but as a very wealthy continent with a great potential and with the political will and the leadership will to succeed. That's fantastic. That's a very good note to end our conversation, Denise. Thank you very much for joining the Sheila Kama Extractive Podcast. I've enjoyed uh, listening to you and look forward to more conversations in the future. Thank you, Sheila. Thank you, everyone, for listening to us.